Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined today by Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com. Uh, Ian and I are going to talk uh, about uh, some things that happened uh, this week as far as his articles are concerned. Uh, actually, uh, a source called BetOnline.ag, a, a betting service, put out uh, odds for championship or the championship winner of the Big 12. Uh, Ian wrote an article uh, talking about those odds. How are you doing today, Ian? Doing well. Uh, those odds, some of those things made me think. That's that's exactly what I think. And then there were a couple things in there that really I don't quite understand. So we'll have to break it down. Yeah, exactly. I think you did a good job. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go over the odds right now. Uh, Oklahoma came out seven to four, so they're the odds-on favorite uh, yeah. to win the league. Almost a less than a two-to-one favorite to win the league, which is surprising to me and to you. Uh, Texas next at two-to-one. Oklahoma State uh, at five-to-one. Baylor, the defending champion, at about seven and a half to one or fifteen to two. Uh, Iowa State twelve to one. TCU fourteen to one. Then you have four kind of bottom dwellers here. Texas Tech at 40 to 1, West Virginia at 41, 40 to 1, uh, Kansas State at 50 to 1, and KU at 300 to 1. Uh, you started uh, off this process, Ian, when we were when, in your article talking about Oklahoma and maybe why you see Oklahoma not uh, as a good a bet, maybe as some other people do. Uh, explain your thinking behind that and saying that the Sooners uh, likely shouldn't be necessarily as favorite as they are. One of the points I keep repeating that was really emphasized a couple hours after I published the article was that behind Dylan Gabriel, they had nothing. Dylan Gabriel is not a big guy. Um, he's going to take a lot of hits playing in a spread offense like they run, like they're going to run with Jeff Levy. And that's just the precarious situation where you have this 205 pound guy between you and me, I think a losing season potentially based on the, their other backups. Um, they seem to feel somewhat the same because they took um, Pittsburgh's third string quarterback from last year in the transfer portal, portal Davis, Davis Beville. Um, big, tall guy, kind of raw, throws a decent ball. He looks like a system quarterback that, and they run a system, so it could be a good fit, but he's not. I mean, this isn't Jalen Hurts. This isn't Dylan Gabriel. This isn't Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. Um, very, very different situation. I still don't know how much he protects them from a Dylan Gabriel injury. So that's one thing. I just feel like they have this floor that should be factored in that's catastrophic, like four or five win type season. Um, that seems impossible because Oklahoma has been stable for so long, but They've been stable this whole time because they haven't changed out coordinators on both sides of the ball and their strength coach and had a complete program overhaul since Bob Stoops did one in 1999. So all these, all these inertia, uh, you know, forces that have kept Oklahoma at the top are not there anymore because Lincoln Riley uh, did them so dirty. And I just, I just don't think that they're going to be as stable for that reason as people think. And then there's like, there's this big roster drain too. Um, go ahead, go ahead. And yeah, I was going to say the roster drain on offense is something that we've, we've talked about. Austin Stogner, the tight end, goes to South Carolina. Not only does Caleb Williams go to USC, but Spencer Rattler, uh, the quarterback, goes to South Carolina. Then you have Mario Williams off the USC. Cody Jackson, depth at the wide receiver spot. 
uh, gone. Uh, two of their starting offensive linemen, two of their better starting offensive linemen, gone. Um, and so you have that side of the ball, which is a total rebuild, it sounds like, uh, although they do have some nice pieces coming in. Javante uh, yeah. Barnes, especially uh, the running back out of Las Vegas, has, has garnered some really nice mention. And you mentioned Gabriel is a, a talented quarterback, but if they're one deep and he goes down, what happens then? Um, and Gabriel does like to run a little bit. Uh, or not a ton, but he does run a little. Uh, and then you have this other idea, uh, in my opinion, of of uh, of uh, the defense. And what you went over in your article was really enlightening to me of just how much they lose on that side of the ball, even though Brent Venables is a veteran defensive coach. He's a very good defensive coach. There seem to be some metrics out there that suggest that they're going to be like I saw some metric that had them ranked amongst the best in the Big 12 in returning production on defense, I, which makes not even a little bit of sense to me because last year they had really five good players that really paced their unit and then a couple solid safeties they were in and out with injury. Uh, the two solid safeties that were in and out with injury are gone. The five legitimately great players up front were Brian Asamoah, who just got drafted, Jalen Redman, who's back, Isaiah Thomas, right, who was drafted, and Perion Winfrey, who was drafted. So, oh, and Nick Benito, who was drafted, right? So you have this defense that really underperformed last year and was powered by five guys up front in particular, only four of which returned, or only one of the five of which returned, and the other four all drafted, indicating the degree to which they were important to that team. So you're just talking about a major rebuild. Um, and not only that, but the pieces that are coming up were pieces that were recruited for Alex Grinch's system, not Brent Venable's system. It's like one of the first things he did was, was go and get this transfer nose tackle from Tulane because Alex Grinch did not believe in playing big, thick defensive tackles. He was playing all smaller, faster, uh, twitchy guys. And uh, so that's immediate, one of their immediate recourses is to go get you know this lower level G5 nose tackle. I mean, that guy's not going to be Tommy Harris. That guy's not going to be Gerald McCoy. Um, trust Venables to probably do a good job, but it's just, I just don't, I don't see it. I see on paper, if you look at their recruiting rankings, it looks like Oklahoma should be maybe the most talented team in the league. But between the losses and some of these transfers that they've taken, indicating what they feel about their own roster, and then the complete overhaul of systems and culture. I just, I just feel like it's going to be much more like Texas, probably not as bad as Texas, but maybe where, yes, on paper, you have this huge pile of talent, but figuring it out how to fit it all together with a new staff in year one amidst culture issues is probably not going to happen. That's a lot harder. You know, I, I look at it, the three of their top four, uh, three of their top four tacklers gone from last year, uh, top pass rusher, really top playmaker, uh, in my opinion, with Benito gone. Uh, I, you know, I, I do believe that Brent Venables is a good defensive coach and he will have them respectable, right? Just like, um, frankly, the, the, the thing, the different, and you mentioned this, Bob Stoops was the last time where, uh, where OU had a true coaching change and a program change. Bob Stoops probably inherited more talent on defense from John Blake, who's also a defensive coach, than what Brent Venables is inheriting 
from, uh, from uh, a guy like uh, uh, Lincoln Riley and, and Alex Grinch. And then you have this uh, roster, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I wanna call it attrition, but it's more than a, attrition. It's just uh, bailout on, on some key players. They, OU didn't lose just guys, they lost key players. They lost uh, several defensive players to the draft and then they also lost some to the portal on offense. And so I look at that and I, I see uh, why you wrote so heavily that you just didn't think uh, that they were necessarily going to be uh, the team to beat in the conference. For me, as I look at it, the one I have a hard time understanding why they're uh, five to one or 15, and 15 to two are the two guys that played for the conference championship last year, Oklahoma State and Baylor. Uh, Oklahoma State at five to one, Baylor at 15 to two. Um, you know, I know that they both had losses and ha had some things happen, but Oklahoma State was one, you know, literally a yard away from being conference champions. Baylor graduates heavily on defense, but apparently they think they're going to be better on offense. Uh, even though they lose some skill players, they, they think they've got a better quarterback now in Blake Shapin. They obviously made that call. Uh, they have four of their five returning starters back on the offensive line. Yes, they lose Abram Smith. They lose Tristan Edmer. But, you know, I, I just look at it and I don't understand why those two aren't the favorite favorites in the conference compared to the two that are in OU in Texas. Well, I've, I've told you I thought Texas was a favorite for months now, so I feel a little vindicated on that one. Um, Baylor, I think there's a couple things for Baylor. One is their schedule. They get Texas and Oklahoma on the road this year rather than at home. They also get Iowa State on the road, and they get uh, BYU on the road in week two. And there's another – West Virginia, I think. That, that might be it. That's pretty rough. Uh, I actually think they probably beat Oklahoma again. There's just a bad matchup for that team. But so they had um, so they had a favorable schedule last year. I think they were – I had a stat that came from my boy Stats of War on Twitter, Parker, that they were five and one in one score games last year. And that's hard to count on that being consistent. Really, for Baylor to have another shot to go back to the neutral championship, they need to be in fewer one score games. Um, you, you can't count on going five and one in those again. And I, it's hard for me to see them being just burying teams because they lost Tyquan Thornton, who's drafted, who ran like a 4 8 right? Um, I think that actually matters a lot more than losing those two running backs. I don't think the running backs will matter because the offensive line is so good and veteran now. But losing Tyquan Thornton is a big deal. That was like the release valve for their offense and the the easy easy outlet for uh, Blake Shapin. So um, that's a little bit tough. They lose some playmakers on defense. I think they probably will be one of the best teams in the Big 12 next year. But it may be kind of like Iowa State last year where they look pretty good, they're in all their games, but they drop a couple squeakers and then they just miss out. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this up for everybody to see the number of one score games in, in 2021 uh, that uh, is out there that the Big 12 teams participated in. Uh, Oklahoma, Baylor and Oklahoma State, the three top teams in the conference a year ago were six and one, five and one and six and two in one score games uh, a piece. Uh, that is, uh, those are hard numbers to replicate uh, year over year. Texas, uh, by uh, comparison, two and four. Iowa State, even with a Brock Purdy in his senior year, Brees Hall, they finish uh, two and five. 
you know, I, I look at the one score games and you mentioned how, how that is, um, I guess, uh, questionable, uh, right. Ian, as far as how people can, can continue that Oklahoma with at six and one and Baylor at five and one, both losing so much on defense. Do you think that, that, that matters, uh, as much there? Or is that just part of part and parcel of what college football is now with a bunch of one score games? I think it's kind of a big 12 thing where just teams in the big 12 don't have significant advantages over one another, except Oklahoma when they're good. And last year they were, last year Oklahoma was down. It was, you know, without that one score luck, they don't finish as high as they did. They almost lost to Kansas. Um, and then Texas, you know, hypothetically could be good enough to avoid close games every week in the big 12, but haven't been that good. So, uh, yeah, I think that's mostly a reflection of the Big 12. Uh, at Big 12 Media Days last year, a lot of the coaches were talking about how it's a one-score game league. And uh, most of them emphasized that the difference is quarterback play. Um, having a veteran quarterback who knows how to avoid the bag plays, get you in the right plays in the right spots, lead two-minute offense down the stretch. I don't know that there are really any quarterbacks that were particularly good at that in the league last year, though. Uh, with Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy was a maestro last year at, at protecting Spencer Sanders from blowing games. Uh, Spencer Sanders wanted to blow games for them, and uh, Mike Gundy would rein him in and trust the defense. Uh, Baylor, Jerry Bohannon, they wanted to have nothing to do with Jerry Bohannon trying to settle a game close. Spencer Rattler is probably pretty solid at it. Um, Caleb Williams was a mess. He was a freshman. So... I don't know, maybe this year is different and maybe this year it comes down to which teams do have the smart quarterbacks in those moments. Uh, for, and then as far as Texas goes, I think their hope is absolutely not to be the team that gets lucky in one score games. They need to just go blow people out. And that's because you, you think they, the preponderance of their talent right now is on the offensive side of the ball, at least their, their top line talent uh, yeah. at this point. Um, you mentioned some guys that you think are good values. Uh, if you're a better, what, what, what do you mean by that? And, and who are those, who are those teams in your opinion? Yeah. So like Texas, I think is the favorite. Um, if I, if I had to pick a team with a gun to my head, I would pick Texas, but if I were, I don't gamble, but if I were gambling my own money, I wouldn't want to bet on Texas because they're, well, they're two to one, right? Yes. So that's just, you know, um, not as high value like the Vegas sees Texas as a legitimate threat. So you're not, you're not stealing money by betting on Texas. Um, the teams that I think are the, the better values are uh, Kansas state and Iowa state. Don't really love either of them to win the big 12. And if I were actually going to bet money, it would probably be on their over unders on wins. Cause it seems like Vegas thinks those two teams are not going to be as good. And I think that, Kansas State in particular will be a good team next year. They have a top pass rusher. They got a veteran quarterback from Nebraska and Adrian Martinez. They bring back all three of their receivers who are solid. Um, they bring back Deuce Vaughn, who's one of the best skill players in the league. They bring back the entire offensive line, which includes a couple guys that are quietly actually really good. They got their nose tackle back on a COVID exemption. They got their best linebacker back. Um, the guys that they're replacing in the secondary are like FCS transfers that no one had heard of until they were good last year. Now they're plugging in more FCS transfers that no one's heard of. They'll probably be fine this year. 
I think that that team has a lot of good players, a lot of good players at impact positions. The schedule's not so bad. I don't, I honestly, I don't really understand why Vegas has them so low. It seems almost, I mean, if there's one team Vegas will undercount, it's Kansas State. I've seen that a lot, but I don't, I don't really get it. Uh, to me, they seem like as good of all the Big 12 teams that could emerge because of luck in one score games or, or injury luck or whatever. I feel like Kansas State is right there with Oklahoma State and Baylor and Oklahoma and anyone else. Yeah, and, and this is the interesting part, right? Kansas State's right there with those, yet the money line is 3x for Kansas State to, yeah. to actually follow through. So, uh, uh, interestingly, mine was actually West Virginia. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's you hit it on a couple of things. I think they have some difference makers on defense, at least one, right? Uh, they're going to have a new quarterback. I think they have most of their offensive production back otherwise, uh, including their offensive line and, and uh, uh, their key receiver. I, I just feel like they're probably a little bit better than people are giving them credit for. Uh, but of all of them, the one that no one is talking about is TCU. And I think it's because they don't know how to even think about TCU right now. Uh, on, I mean, it's going to be a totally different offense, in my opinion, and yeah. we don't know what they're going to look like on defense because, you know, were those players that that Gary Patterson left good for a Gary Patterson style defense or are they not going to fit for the new style of defense that, that's going on in Fort Worth? I, I feel that's the one more than Iowa State that's just up in the air and I don't know what to think about. I think their defensive linemen are not good for any system is my, is my guess. Uh, part of the reason that uh, I was, I felt, convinced that O'Shawn Mathis would make good at Texas just because when I watched their film the other teams didn't have to worry about anybody else in the defensive line they're just running through anybody else uh, the new staff is going to run the Iowa State defense in Fort Worth so the 3-3-5 with three deep safeties at the snap and um, what makes Iowa State successful at that system is that they have big savvy linebackers and they have really strong defensive linemen like uh, Ioma Iwazariki, um, the the Isaiah Lee or the other nose tackles they have, they consistently have guys that can hold the point of attack. And so they, they don't get punished easily for having so many guys dropping back because their front three are so big and strong. And TCU ran a 4 5 and got run over last year. And the new staff is bringing in bigger, thicker defensive tackles from wherever they can find them in the transfer portal, which doesn't speak to a lot of confidence. Um, I think that their defense is probably going to be pretty bad against the run. Yet, I understand being intrigued by them because they have Chandler Morris, who looked like Johnny Light against Baylor last year. They have Quentin Johnson, who's one of the best receivers in the league. They have some other talented receivers. Sonny Dykes is a heck of a better offensive mind than Gary Patterson and is definitely going to uh, restructure their program to make uh, – more emphasis on offense so they'll score a lot and um i don't know you could probably make a case it's like well why couldn't they be what you're saying texas is going to be where maybe the defense isn't awesome but they uh they just engage in shootouts and i i tend to think that they're going to be more like a one of those cliff kingsbury teams where they're really unpleasant to play because they can score but you end up beating them more often than not, you know, 45 to 40 or something like that. And they they win like six games. That's that you're basically describing Sonny Dykes is in his tenure at Cal. When you say yeah. that, 
Right. I mean, that, that's that's really what you're saying, and and I don't disagree. Um, but we'll, you know, we'll see what what Gary Patterson left in the cupboard there. Uh, I I still think that you know until proven otherwise, they're a team that gives Texas problems. Let's talk about the Horns uh, a little bit here. Uh, two to one favorites, uh, second in the league behind Oklahoma in that category, according to BetOnline.ag. Uh, I'm not a gambling connoisseur. I want people to know that we don't consider ourselves a gambling show, nor do we promote it. Uh, we're just using this as uh, information uh, to kind of discuss what others may think or what Vegas really thinks of the Longhorns chances. Uh, Ian, as you've mentioned, you've long contended Texas was number one uh, or, or should be the favorite heading into this year, even with a new quarterback, ostensibly, if it's Quinn Ewers. Um, what, what is it that gives you that, that confidence um, on a consistent basis um, over this time period, even after you saw Texas go through spring? Well, spring did definitely, I don't think spring was really a, give me any concerns on that. It's the number one thing is just that they have such overpowering skill talent. I think maybe on defense, Ryan Watts and Jedi Barron look pretty good to me. Um, I think that being able to um, match up other teams receivers with those guys is a big boost to Texas. I mean, last year they were just playing everybody off. And it was like, we're not going to let you throw it deep and we're going to hope you don't throw it underneath. You probably won't because you're too busy running over us. Um, I, I think that that is a big advantage that they'll have. I've seen this with other Texas defenses in the past. It's a, I, sometimes I used to call it the rule of three. If you have three good coverage players on the field, you can end up playing pretty good defense. Any, all other things equal, just because you just, it just makes it hard for teams to be explosive throwing the ball. And if they can't be explosive throwing the ball, it's hard for them to score many points. Um, so they have that going for them. I feel better about that probably than I did even before the spring. Um, and then just, you know, Xavier Worthy, Isaiah Nayor, um, Jatavian Sanders now, and then absolutely Bijan Robinson out of the backfield. These are all guys that teams, especially big 12 teams, cannot handle guys like that one-on-one. -on -one. And you're going to have to handle some of them one-on-one -on -one because um, they're all spread, about, spread around across the field. So you're going to have to pick a spot where you're like, well, hopefully Nayor won't beat our second corner, or hopefully Bijan won't run us over if we drop everyone back and play too high. Um, and then that issue is further compounded by the fact that Texas has one of the strongest arm quarterbacks they've ever had in Quinn Ewers. If they choose to start him, which they probably will for this reason, if nothing else, they can, they can spread guys out extra wide and make the, the dilemma of where defenses cover even bigger. And they have to figure out like, do we give up the easy slant, the easy go route to Nayor, or do we load the box? You know, how, how, how are we gonna handle this? Texas, it's just, it's too much. It's, it's too much. It's actually uncommon for certainly for Texas and really for any big 12 team to have this much skill talent. I can't, I can't name a big 12 team that had skill talent like this that didn't score a ton of points and wasn't really good. Yeah. I, I would say Oklahoma had it, but they also scored a ton of points to your, to your point, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, CD exactly Lamb and, <laughs> and, and those guys, uh, they, they had plenty of it. They also had the offensive line to back it up, which is one of my concerns for Texas. I do want to say one thing, one reason why I think Oklahoma State um, may not be uh, as good this year, just point blank, 
they lose some on defense. Even though they keep a lot of their defensive front, they do lose a little bit on the back end. And they also lose their defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles, who took the job at Ohio State. Um, what are your thoughts on, on the Oklahoma State defense? And do you think they'll still be good next year, uh, even though they're losing uh, Malcolm Rodriguez and some of the DBs as well? Yeah, I believe they're losing, um, of their back seven, I believe they're losing six out of seven. I think Jason Taylor, Tyler, Jason Taylor is the safety is the only guy back. The linebackers are gone. The cornerbacks are gone. The other two safeties are gone. Um, I think they'll be pretty good. They, they're they very, very good up front. They return really an embarrassment of riches. They like three guys that would solve Texas's edge problem next year. Uh, I don't know, even know what they're going to do with them all. But they have a lot of talent up front. The back end is usually – Gundy's teams are very consistent about having guys in the program for multiple years – who can then step in as redshirt juniors, redshirt seniors to fill in roles like that. And uh, I think that they'll be solid back there. It it's really comes down to their offense in terms of the Big 12 championship. They're going to have to rely a lot more on their offense in order to win. Um, and offensive line continues to be a uh, bedeviling issue for that program ever since, I think, like the 2018 cycle or something. They only brought in one guy that was a JUCO and they've had all kinds of issues ever since. And uh, I think they've had some health issues in the spring, even with the guys they do have. So they, um, they're going to have to, they're going to have to uh, do some magic work to try to, to put out a functional line this year. If they pull that off and they find one or two really good guys, um, absolutely. They might be in the running for the big 12 championship, but they still have a lot of margin in that program, you know? They have, to, like, they have to get everything right. Yeah, I mean, I think that, and that's that's on an annual basis for them. They don't have a this embarrassment of riches, other than, like you said, on defense last year, probably. I, you know, let's let's finish with this, and I'd like to get your thought. If Texas would be your favorite for the conference, who are the two or three other teams you think Texas is going to be competing with for the conference championship? I think Baylor. I think Texas maybe they play Baylor in I think December at the very end of the year. I think that game might be a uh, elimination game for the Big 12 championship, or at least a game where if Texas has a good year, maybe they can uh, eliminate the need to play Baylor again the following week, that kind of deal. Um, and then um, I think it's going to be one of those teams of uh, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and uh, I mean, I think Oklahoma will probably have a winning record, but I don't think they'll actually be a serious Big 12 contender. I think they'll fold for one reason or another. So uh, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and then I don't maybe Iowa State. Uh, I think you're right that West Virginia is, is in there as well. Probably uh, Kansas State and Baylor, I think, would be the two would be the two uh, most concerning game teams and games for Texas. Interesting. All right, Ian, I appreciate your time, man. Uh, I'll get you again next week. Uh, this has been Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com joining on Texas football. Uh, for Ian, I'm Bobby Burton. Thanks for joining us.